Welcome back, everybody, to a new week of Blake's Take. Hope you're all having a great day today, and we're going to dive right into some college basketball March Madness, where it was upset city in the round of 32, as favorites were knocked down and underdogs rose above the field. Starting off, of course, with none other than the OSU versus OSU showdown, as Oregon State Beavers took on the Oklahoma State Cowboys in a wild game. The Bees were looking to punch their first ticket to the Sweet 16 since 1982, while the Cowboys were looking to do it for the first time since 2005. Maurice Kalu, who transferred from Oregon State to the Beavs, Oklahoma State to the Beavs, scored 15 points, dominating from beyond the arc, getting his redemption, leading the Bees en route along with Jared Lucas, who also scored 15 points, to a 14-3 run at the end of the first half to go up by 18 on the end of the run, just bullying the Cowboys. However, star freshman and top NBA draft prospect Kate Cunningham wasn't going to go down that easy as he helped his team regroup and come out hot in the second half, chipping away at the Beavers' lead with a 15-4 run that cut the deficit to just two. The Beavs then shut down Cunningham for a short stretch to take a nine-point lead. Yet then the Cowboys hit a three, and then Ethan Thompson turned the ball over, giving it to Cunningham, who hit a three himself to cut the Beavs' nine-point lead to just three in a matter of 13 seconds. Oh, yikes. However, Ethan, Thompson's fall, Ethan Thompson followed with a beautiful fadeaway jumper that copped off his 26-point evening, and the Beavs ran out the clock, getting them to the foul line, where they were also successful, going 32 of 35 from the line, pushing them to an 80-70-point victory over the Cowboys, punching their first ticket to the Sweet 16 in nearly four decades. Oh my goodness, go Beavs, making it to the Sweet 16. What an upset over the Oklahoma State. No one thought we could do it, but we knew here in Corvallis what our bees are made of. And they are moving on to the oh-oh-so-sweet 16. What a win for the bees. Holy smokes. I just can't believe that they did it. They persevered through everything, and now they are on a five-game win streak. <laughs> moving on with this Pac-12 incredible showing in the tournament. They are keep moving on. Now we go on to another local team in the tournament in the Ducks, facing a hefty task in trying to take down the dominant two-seed Iowa Hawkeyes. Oregon hit seven threes, yes, seven threes, and made 22 of 37 shots in the first half, despite having three players in foul trouble. Yet the Ducks struggled to stop the Hawks' top player as Luka Garza dominated in the paint and the mid-range, going off for 22 in the first half to keep things close. Nevertheless, the Ducks got enough momentum going in the to finish their first half on a 10-0 run filled with a pair of LJ Figueroa threes and an electrifying dunk for the exclamation point. In the second half, the Ducks' defense kept quacking away, forcing turnovers and holding three Iowa starters to zero. Yes, zero points. Big fat goose egg. Allowing the high-flying Ducks to do their thing on offense and soar to a 95-80 to victory, 15-point margin of win, as four Ducks starters scored over 17, while Luka Garza's school tournament high in for the Iowa Hawkeyes, 36 points, wasn't enough to get these Hawks to win, and it pushed them to the oh-so-sweet 16. 
Just a great win for the Ducks. Incredible showing by LJ Figueroa and his performance there. All around, just great ball movement and great defense. Chris Dower uh, as well and Eugene Amar Amarui. They had great performances all around. It was a great performance for the Ducks. They dominated and they showed even though they didn't even play and got to move on from VCU, they had a reason to move on because they are going to be a lethal middle class team as they head into the Sweet 16 to take on another incredible team. So there, the Pac-12 moves on. Great win for both local teams as both the Bees and the Ducks are in the Sweet 16. Holy smokes, one-eighth of the Sweet 16 is from right here in Oregon. So that's pretty cool. I'm glad that they made it and I hope that they can move on to the Elite Eight. On to another major upset in the 15th seed, Oral Roberts, taking on the 7th seed, Florida Gators, attempting to become only the second 15th seed ever to reach the Sweet 16. Florida was able to control the majority of the game through shooting 55% from the field and out-rebounding the smaller Golden Eagles 37-24. Yet, Florida's poor fourth quarter performance filled with 20 turnovers allowed the Golden Eagles to, to get really back in the game and eventually take their first lead since the first half with just under three minutes remaining. The Gators would ultimately not take care of the basketball and not get their shots to fall, allowing the Golden Eagles to hold on for the major upset and join the 15-16 club with only the only other team in history of the tournament to make it as a 15 seed. Just an incredible win. Holy smokes. They did amazing. What a stretch by them. Uh, who would have thought that the, the freaking... Oral Roberts, oh my goodness, what an incredible win for them. 15 seed. No one would have thought that a 15 seed would come in, especially taking Ohio State down in the first half. That was just a sight to see. They, It was just an incredible win for them. Oral Roberts taking down the Gators, taking down the Buckeyes. Who knows what they can do now. They are an exciting team in the tournament, and you cannot count them out. And there is no way we can finish off this March Madness segment without talking about Loyola Chicago and Sister Jean as they battle for the top team in Illinois, in the top team in the state against Illinois for the title of best team in the state of Illinois and Sweet 16 ticket holders. The Ramblers got out early, bullying in the paint and working the ball around outside to go up as by as much as 14 in the first half holding their in-state rival Illinois to a season-low 24 points in the first half, which was incredible. showed the incredible defense that they were showing in the first half by the Ramblers. The LNE would cont continuously cut down the lead in the second half, looking to make a comeback, yet the Ramblers would just not let up off the gas and would have a response to every LNE to a sign of momentum. Sister Jean's prayers for solid defense, Rambler defense, were answered as the Ramblers forced 16 turnovers. Yes, 16 on one of the top teams in the country and held the fast-paced LNE to just two fast-break points, pushing their way to a Sister Jean Sweet 16 where they will take on the Bees. So you can enjoy this one, Sister Jean, but watch out because for Oregon State Beavers are headed your way. On to NBA, we, we are going to talk about the sports ER among the among injuries of the game's biggest stars in recent days. 
Obviously, we're going to start with the king of the league suffering a high ankle sprain, which puts him out indefinitely. James exited the Lakers game versus the Hawks after Solomon Hill collided with his right ankle. James immediately shouted in pain and rolled off of the court, clinching his right leg. James was able to stand up on his own and limped back to the bench where he laced his sneakers up and stayed in the game after the timeout. On the Lakers' first reception after the timeout, James hit a three from the corner, lifting the stat line to 10 points on three of six shooting, keeping his streak intact for 1,036 games, including Saturday, of scoring 10-plus points in double digits. Very unfortunate loss for the Lakers, who are now without their two biggest players and only chances of winning of the championship. If they don't have those two pieces, they are not going to be even to win the Western Conference, let alone make it out of the first round. But as devastating as the loss is of LeBron to the league, he wasn't the only star to go down this weekend. As Rookie of the Year favorite LaMelo Ball suffered a fractured wrist that is likely to put him out for the rest of the season. To make matters even worse, it was on the wrist of his shooting hand. All won't be formally ball won't be formally ruled out until the end of the season, until later in the season, after meeting with Dr. Michelle Carlson at the hospital for sur- special surgery in New York early this week. But sources said the injury will end up his dazzling debut of 41 games, in which he led the Hornets to an eight seed spot in the Western Eastern Conference and in a hopeful playoff contention. So the rookie who was averaging dang near 16, 6, and 6 is now out indefinitely, altering his promising Rookie of the Year campaign and Hornets for playoff contention. Now on to some injuries that have not been so recent, but which is why they are the problem, because it seemed as though they were injuries that would have a quick timeline for a turn. I can only be talking about none other than KD and AD, where each has missed over 15 games over the course of over a month. Long absence that has due to injuries that should have only taken a couple or a few weeks to recover from. As a fan, I feel as though we are being led to believe that these injuries are less meaningful than they actually are. Because with the titles of these injuries that they have been given, a normal timetable of return for these injuries would only be around three weeks. And it varies from player to player, obviously, but that is around the normal timetable for these injuries. But both of these two players have been out for five weeks, which has not necessarily impacted their team's success as LeBron has helped carry an overtime load for the Lakers, while Harden has stepped up to an incredible, unselfish scoring monster machine, playing it in a manner that we have never seen him perform in his career, which is incredible to see. No disrespect on that. However, with LeBron now being out and Harden continuously having to play by himself night in and night out without Kyrie or KD, we have to question when these absent stars will return because their teams need them more than ever. Lots of unfortunate injuries across the league. Some of the biggest names are out, and not to mention that Curry is still out with a tailbone. It is just like top five all-stars in the league, all-star starters are out 
it with significant injuries that they've been out for significant periods of time and I just don't understand why they haven't returned yet and obviously the ball and the LeBron ones are new but still it just seems as though the NBA this year has had a higher rate of injuries among big star big stars and big names than we have ever seen before so let's hope that no more injuries occur among the league or else it's just going to be a lot of no no excitement basketball I mean there will still be exciting players across the league but it seems like we're losing some of the game's brightest and youngest and uh, the most incredible players that we like to see night in and night out. And that is going to ultimately probably suffer the NBA's ratings as television watchers because the whole point of watching the NBA, a lot of us just want to see our favorite stars play. And when those our favorite stars have been out for the past couple of months, NBA's ratings are going to go like this. So we just need, our to, as officials, I feel as though we need to keep our players more safe. And as our teams, as players, we need to make smarter decisions and in order to keep ourselves on the court because that is all what, as a fan that is what we just want to see we want to see our favorite stars battling out competitive with one another and we want to see everyone full health because that is the highest and most exciting point and the whole reason why the NBA is such a special league so hopefully these guys can recover and these stars can make a comeback because it is long overdue and has been long awaited and we will await the return of these stars as far as NFL, we got a nice free agency deal in the Pacific Northwest to start the week as the Seattle Seahawks are resigning running back Chris Carson on a three-year deal worth $24.625 million that uh, that voids the two years of $10.425 million with $5.5 million guaranteed and an opportunity for $6.6 million with incentives. The voiding third year in Carson's deal allows the Seahawks to spread out his signing bonus over the course of three seasons for salary cap purposes instead of two, helping to loosen up their tight salary cap situation in Seattle. Carson totaled 968 yards from scrimmage last year and nine touchdowns, but missed four games with a foot injury. Resigning Carson checks off a major item for the Seahawks as their backfield turns 2018 first-rounder Rashad Penny, as well as DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, and veteran Alex Collins. But Penny has played a complementary role to Carson in each of his three first NFL seasons and has missed most of 2020 while recovering from a knee injury. Homer and Dallas are change of pace running backs, and Collins will be competing for a roster pot spot with no guaranteed money in his minimum salary contract. So this is a very important deal on the resigning for Seattle. Now they just need to work and acquire some offensive linemen or to better develop the ones that they have in order to better protect Wilson and Carson in order to have a successful offense in Seattle. As far as local sports, both the boys and girls cross-country teams clinched a state meet berth with their solid performances at the Husky Invitational in Sweet Home. Philomath sophomore Brody Bushnell finished as the top individual with a time of 1831.6 and nearly 9 seconds ahead of the runner-up in the race, James Lackey of Newport. Senior Grant Halesto was third. Sophomore Mateo Candonozo was fourth. Senior Levi Knudsen was fifth. Senior Justin Inghauer, Justin Inghauser was sixth. And sophomore Ben Hernandez was eighth. The team's seventh varsity runner, Senior Sean Cummings, was 17th. 
The course is definitely a typical one with muddy hills and two two crossings over streams. The runner's typical times obviously fell by a normal time of two minutes, which was expected of these runners who were running through a very difficult and hilly and weird environment course. The boys now have, have a 15-1 record and have won three straight meets. On to the girls who placed all six of its team scores in the top 20, with three of those in the top 10. Sophomore Ingrid Alesto placed fourth, junior Kaylee Houchin placed seventh, and freshman Alex Eckheld was tenth, while Phoebe Cohen finished just outside the top 10 in 11th. Freshman Danielle Harris was 14th, and sophomore Ali Todd rounded it out off at 20th. The girls secured a meet win and now have an 8-3 record. Huge performances for the Warriors, especially in a key conference meet with lots of in-conference matches. This is a huge step in the right direction as the boys look to go back-to-back state champs and the girls look to win their one of their own after their fourth place finish last year. Great to see these cross-country runners having lots of success as they always do. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of Blake's Take. Hope you enjoyed all of the incredible March Madness news. It is wild. The Beavs and the Ducks are moving on. That is so incredibly exciting. Not so fun news in the NBA. We're going to lose a lot of entertainment there. I'm really hoping we get them back in April, or if they're going to April Fools us and not bring them back, that's going to be very, very unfortunate. Hope you enjoyed the incredible fast runners in the cross country, and I hope you all enjoyed the incredible Blake's Take, uh, and you can catch it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and or YouTube. Yeah, I would appreciate if you hit the subscribe button, hit the like button to spread it all around to those who would like to enjoy the local and national sports we provide here, and I will catch you all in the next one.